Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. On this week's episode, I am joined by a phenomenal young gentleman who used to be a radio DJ, but five years ago, he went off and started his own little one-man band business around social media. And today, he's gone on a journey that's taken him to 17 employees. He's now got a grown-up business. I'd like to welcome Sam Perry of So Social Media. Sam, good morning. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, Tracy. It's, um, it's very nice to be here. It's exciting, actually. Not done a podcast in a while. So, uh, yeah, very excited to be with you. Cool. And I'm really excited because we've got somebody that's already been on radio. So, you know, that's like, cool. We've got somebody who knows how to speak. Oh, no, no pressure there. No, <laughs> no pressure. pressure, Sam. Um, so, Sam, I know you were once a radio DJ. You're now doing so social media. So, you know, from leaving school, where's your journey taken you and how have you got to where you are today? No worries. Well, school was interesting. I had the privilege of being privately educated uh, in, in Monmouth, where, where the company is based. And uh, after, after six years of education, I really didn't want to go to university, much to my parents' dismay. Um, so I, I left home at 17. I hadn't quite finished school and I, I headed off. Um, I, I got a job. I got a flat. I was with my partner at the time um, and just kind of went head first into adult life, but very, very early on. Um, after a couple of years of kind of bouncing around from job to job, I thought, you know what? Actually, I am ready to go to university now. I'd figured out what it was I was I was interested in doing. So uh, I managed to get into into a few universities in the area. Um, I needed it local because uh, you know I had to be able to get there easily. I had to hold down a, a full time job as I was studying. Um, so I went to the University of Gloucestershire, studied investigative journalism. Um, really enjoyed it. Had a, had a great time. Um, somehow with a full-time job, still managed to come out the other end with the first, which was an experience, I can tell you. Uh, lots of hard work went into that one. Um, and then from there, I moved into my first sort of journalistic job, which was working uh, at a human resources magazine as their online editor, um, looking after their website. There was a little bit of social media uh, going on, but at that time, it was it was mostly. I mean, we were just seeing the end of MySpace at that at that time. So this was a while ago. Um, so there was no Insta. There was there was Facebook. There was Twitter. There was LinkedIn. That was that was pretty much it. Um, so that's kind of where I started to develop my copywriting skills uh, and those the sort of like uh, that journalistic intuition to know where to go and who to find to get the information that you need. Um, so I did that for a little while. Left that role to go and work at a small startup marketing firm. Um, but also came across the job in radio whilst I was doing that. So I was I was sort of jumping from job to job. I was working at this marketing agency whilst also doing uh, a few breakfast shows and news at Sunshine Radio, uh, Herefordshire and Worcestershire, which was a really, really great experience. I absolutely loved that job. Um, always, always fun to come across somebody, you know, just when you're out buying some food in the local area and they recognize your voice. It's just a really nice experience. And um then moved into their sales team, um, so I was I was I was on air and I was also selling selling advertising. Um, and then after doing that for a little while, I thought, well, actually, all of the jobs that I've I've done to date um, can be condensed down into something that's my own. Because ultimately, the problem that I always had with employment was having a boss. I wanted to be in control. I wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And having a boss is quite difficult to do that. So I had a few freelance social media clients I was working with. And I just thought, right, let's just quit this and do this full time. So 
um, I was with uh, Luke, my other half. Uh, we're still together. We're still together now, and um, decided to go off on a holiday to Tenerife, knowing full well that we'd come back and I'd have no job. So did that. Came back. Um, got a job at a cafe, got a job in a sweet shop, a shoe shop. I was doing all of these little cash in hand jobs whilst trying to build the agency um, and really hustling as much as possible just to kind of get as as much support behind it because ultimately there really wasn't any uh, financial backing. It was, it, was, it was up to me to be able to grow this and it was me and a laptop on a kitchen table. Um, and then ultimately was able to sort of drop those jobs off one at a time as, as the client list grew, start hiring. And then it's really just kind of snowballed from there really. Wow. So what was the scariest point? You know, if you if you look at giving up your job, having this dream and this passion to build something up for yourself. But in the early days, you've got this almost dilemma. The job gave you security. The business gives you passion. So what were the scariest moments of that little period in between where the income wasn't coming in from the business? Mm. It's. I think it's where's this going? It's wondering, you know, is this idea legitimate? Is what I'm doing, you know, going to grow into something? And I, I think right the way throughout the journey of starting a business, you always have a little voice on your shoulder giving you imposter syndrome. I think no matter who you are, no matter what business you're in, that's always going to be there. Um, and certainly in the early days when you're kind of, you know, you're going to work at five in the morning to work at this sort of cafe you're leaving that job in the middle of the day then to go and work somewhere else and then you're finishing at six o'clock to start work on your social clients and you're doing that every single day you're thinking my god where's this going like is this is this idea you know is this a legitimate business um so i'd say that's probably the scariest point is is not quite knowing in the early stages or where it was going to go you know i had a vision of where i wanted it to go but was i going to be good enough to get it there Okay. So as you started to build up this vision, uh, you know, did you sit down and plan out your first couple of years, what your targets were, what you were going to measure, or did you just wing it? Absolutely winged it. Absolutely <laughs> winged it. Um, only, only really through meeting business coaches in networking after the first couple of years was I really aware that actually I do need to plan where I'm going. In those early days, it was absolutely down to just energy and passion. And, you know, I've got to get it to this point. It's up to me to do this. Um, but yeah, only really through meeting other people with businesses and seeing how they planned out their journey was I able to say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I need to see, I need to look where I'm going and then I need to work backwards from that point. Luckily, by the time that I got to the stage where, where I realized that was a necessity, I'd already managed to hire. We already had a relatively decent client list. So there was a solid foundation to be able to grow from. Okay. And that client list, you, you know, you've got that solid foundation, you've got lots of clients. What, what was the hard work you went through to get that number of clients on board? What, what activities were you, were you getting involved in? So in the very early days, it was primarily down to obviously using the skills that we use for all of our clients to develop our, our own social media following and, and showcase what it is that we were doing and what we could do. Um, a lot of, a lot of um, referrals came in at that, at that early stage. Um, so a, a lot of the business that we were getting was referrals from existing clients. And then in 2019, I joined um, BNI Networking. Um, in Bristol, which was completely by accident. I, uh, a friend of mine who interestingly was the office manager at that 
uh, human resources magazine that, that I worked at, we both left that job at the same time. She went to set up a company and I set up a company and she was supposed to be subbing for another member of this BNI chapter. I'd never heard of BNI at this point. I had no idea what what referral networking really was. Um, she wasn't able to go. She said, do you mind going to Bristol for 6.45 in the morning this Friday? And I said, yeah, let's give it a go. So I, I went along, did my did my little pitch. Um, and I think I went after that two or three times as a visitor just to kind of embed myself in the group. But, but ultimately, I was able to bring in enough business from those three visits um, to be able to pay for the membership for that, that particular chapter like three times over. So it was a no-brainer to say, yeah, I absolutely have to join this because this, this is going to help take us forward. And I think joining networking and being able to talk and discuss challenges with other businesses is a real turning point for me um, because I was fundamentally on my own till that point. It was myself, you know, there was, there was a few part-time staff working with me, but ultimately it was, it was just me, you know, in charge of this business. So then starting to meet other people, talk about their challenges, learn from um, their mistakes uh, and just be able to to just just brainstorm ideas was a, a real turning point um, and allowed us to start growing quite rapidly. Brilliant. And I know you and I met through another networking group. So are, are you, how many networking groups do you use for your business today? That's that's a good question. So I, I attend the B&I chapter myself in Bristol. Um, that's every Friday morning at 6.45. Uh, bear in mind, we're based in Monmouthshire, so that's a good hour's drive. Um, but it's 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 worth a 5 a.m. start on a Friday uh, just to meet that, that great group of people. Um, one of my other team members attends another BNI chapter in Bristol. Um, another one attends a BNI chapter in, in sort of Newport, Cardiff area. And then there's also one that we do online. But I also go to Evo Networking, 1N Networking, B2B Networking. And this Thursday, I'm going to what I believe is called BGN, which is a golf-based uh, networking event. I don't play golf, so it's going to be. In- to I was just about to say, do you play golf? <laughs> going to be an interesting experience for me. <laughs> I did. I did that a few years ago. I tried learning to play golf many years ago. Loved the idea of it, but it's putting in that time for practice. But anyway, I went on this networking event that was a golf day. Okay. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't really play this. The last time I played golf, I got the local members screaming at me because I was slowing them down, petrified of going. Gets there and sort of says, look, guys, you know, I do know how to play, but I'm not very good at it. They said, oh, don't worry, we'll put you with a couple of guys that are really great. They're really patient. You'll be fab. Yes, I was the slowest. <laughs> What's new? But the brilliant thing was, not only did I talk to these two people about business, one of them was an ex-golf pro. So guess who got a free lesson during that free round lesson. of golf? Very good. Very good. It's great when things just work out that way, isn't it? And that's something that I think is is really important in business is to follow your gut instinct. A lot of the time, if something if something's supposed to work for you, things will just slot into place. And if you've got to fight too hard, I think a lot of the time it's not meant to work out. Um, and I think I think a lot of people can look at that as a slightly lazy mindset. But if you are constantly hammering business all of the time, I think it's nice to have faith in something that sits below you that goes, actually, you know, if this doesn't go right, maybe it wasn't supposed to go right. And ultimately, if it's supposed to go right, it'll happen later on down the line. Brilliant. Love that philosophy. Now, you know, you reeled off quite a few networking places that you're going and they have a cost for business. And I know your first visit to a B&I one, those first few visits paid for it. But, you know, 
for newer and younger business owners, one of the things I notice is there's this fear of, well, I need to get some business in before I can pay for that. And so they probably do one networking event, maybe one that's free or really cheap. And obviously they don't meet as many people. They don't meet as many serious people that are referring business to them. So, you know, you reeled off at least three BNI groups. And I know that to be in BNI is going to be a good six, seven hundred pounds a year. Um, one networking you have to pay for. So what was it that gave you the the courage? the decision or just the mindset to say, you know what? Yes, I'm going to be spending two or 3,000 in networking events a year, but I'm going to go for it. So what gave you that that courage, that determination that it was worth it? Um, I think when I first attended a BNI chapter myself, like I say, we we were able to start bringing in business from an area, well, from a patch that was was outside of my, of my you know, area. Um, and, I don't know whether it was the fact that I, I'd done radio before, whether I'd worked in marketing previously, but something about my the way that I was talking in this in this chapter was enough to get people to go. That's great. We want to talk to this guy. Um, so having attended, you know, a couple of those as a visitor, and and if anyone is going to is going to think about attending a BNI chapter, absolutely go along as a visitor. If there's a seat available, go and give it a try because you don't you don't have to join it straight away. You can have a couple of a couple of taster sessions to see if it's for you. Um, but because because of the offering that we we had available, because of our, our great uh, price point and, and, and service offering, like I say, we were able to bring in enough business to already pay for that. So for me, I thought to myself, well, if we can if we can bring this in in three weeks, and I've you know, what can we do in twelve months? What can we do in twenty four months? And what can we do as members of multiple chapters? And ultimately, the ethos behind BNI is that that give us gain ethos. You know, if I give you business, you want to give me business. And what I would say to any business that's starting out in networking is if it's not referral-based networking, give it a miss. Go for something whereby there is a structure that is designed around getting you business because otherwise there really isn't that accountability. Um, you and you don't feel accountable to the other members. They don't feel accountable to you. If there's a structure in place that says, you know, if you follow this process, we'll give you referrals. We'll meet for one to ones. It encourages you to network in the way that you should be networking. And if you're a new business, you probably haven't networked before. You have no idea what to do. If you go to a BNI chapter, it's structured to tell you what to do. Um, and although it is the most expensive of of the the networking that we do. I think it, all the best things are always more expensive. You know, you're, you're paying for it because it is brilliant. So um, it, it's really worth parting with that cash. Um, obviously, you have to be confident in yourself. You have to be confident in your ability to talk and you have to be confident in what you're offering because if you're not, they will notice that. Um, but there are, you know, there are plenty of people out there that can help you with, help you with networking and, and you know, how, how to go about doing it. But just, just, just have confidence and, you know, wing it if you don't know what you're talking about. Ultimately, you'll, you'll be able to get something out of it. Yeah, and I know a lot of the structured networking, because I find the unstructured networking is great. You'll meet quite a few people, but what you'll be doing is having coffee. So going to the structured one actually helps you pull together what to say anyway, and it actually helps to improve your elevator pitch so that when you then eventually go back to that unstructured networking, you actually are so much more professional. But yeah, I know our little, uh, I'm in a BNI group and I'm in one networking with you and our little BNI group, I think we've got 17, 18 members. 
And um, last year, those 18 people passed over 1 million of business between each other. It's great. I mean, the, you know, the, the chapter that I'm in in Bristol, um, we, we meet at Barclays Square and we've got, I think we're 29 members, something like that. And last year, that 29 members passed 2.1 million, something like that. You know, and it, as a new business, if, you, if you're new to business, seeing figures like 2.1 million are, are going to light your eyes up. Yes, you're getting a portion of that. But, you know, these groups are designed to help you to be able to get a portion of, of that money. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. My, my, my big thing for new businesses is networking. You know, I started it late in my journey. And it was an obvious turning point. So if you can get started with that right at the start of your journey, then you don't have to have that lag period before you you figure out how much it's worth to you. Yeah, brilliant. So top tip there, guys. If you're going to go networking to start your business, then go to structured networking events where the whole premise is designed to help each other's businesses and not just have a nice little chat over coffee. Um, brilliant tip there. Now, I know for me... I see my networking as a marketing investment, but I know there are some people out there that see it as a cost. Now, I can tell from what you're saying, you see it as an investment as well. What, you know, what little mindset tip might you have for somebody who is still hooking onto that as a, a cost rather than an investment? I think the mindset um, can change based on what kind of business that you've got. So if you are a B2C business, if you are maybe a retailer, for example, you're going to look at networking and go, maybe that isn't quite for me. And I'd probably be inclined to agree with that because you're not, you're not beating businesses that are going to benefit you in the way that you need them to benefit you. If you are a service provider like we are, if you're in telecoms, if you are a, you know, a, a roofer, a builder, a plumber, these are the kind of, uh, kind of people that can really make some serious cash from, from networking. Um, and I think a lot of businesses need to attend networking to see the structure, to see the referrals that are being passed in order to change that mindset. And like I said earlier, if you're going to networking nine times out of 10, you can show up for either a nominal fee or you can turn up free of charge and just, you know, be part of that group for the day or for the morning or the afternoon or whenever it might be. Um, but the mindset shift is quite difficult to give yourself unless you've experienced it. it it's no good. It's no good sitting behind your, your dining table thinking to yourself, should I, shouldn't I? You've just got to go see if it's, you know, see, see what you think of the experience. Um, and, and ultimately being part of a group of very passionate, innovative, driven business owners who are passing business between them will help you with that mindset change. But I mean, for me, if I hadn't gone by complete chance to that BNI, would I, would I be doing networking now? Possibly. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I still do networking now. You talked about setting it off. You had some wonderful, great things at the beginning with the networking. During that five years of growing your business where it is today, did you, was it a smooth ride or did you have times where you had ups and you went back down again and suddenly hit struggles and challenges? Definitely. And I think the reason behind that is that us as an agency, we're quite unusual within in the sphere of social media. The, the majority of the work that we do is white label work. Um, so we strike up relationships with other agencies around the UK. They farm their social media work out to us, and that helps us keep our business development costs really low. But until we'd started forming a lot of those relationships, we were still working on a white label price point. And a lot of the time, we were relying on direct clients. So we were 
we were dealing with businesses that were getting a lot from us um, and we were charging very, very little. And we maintain those price points now. But in order to build a business where price is such a key USP, you need a huge client list to, to allow it to stand up. And you'll find that throughout the growth of an agency like this, you'll go through occasional points where it starts getting a little tight and then it'll expand, then it'll get a little tight, then it'll expand. Um, and those will keep happening for us. But now that I've been doing this for such a long time, when it does start to get a little bit tight, I know exactly why that's happening. I know where we're going to be in six months time. So it, it doesn't phase me so much, but certainly uh, early on in the process, more so around hiring for new staff members, that that was when it, it would start to get a little tight because, like I say, price is a key USP for us. If we suddenly get 25 new clients, we know that at some point we're going to have to hire somebody new in. We've got to balance when that hiring is going to happen. Um, the big shifts are when when I when I first started doing that, I was being very reactive. I was going, oh my God, we've suddenly got all these clients. We need to hire somebody now. At the stage I'm now, I'm able to go, well, okay, in two, three months time, we're going to be here. So we need to hire now for where we're going to be in two months time. Um, and you, you just, as, as you grow and you make mistakes as you inevitably do, you can learn from those and you can really put them into, into great sort of repractice um, as you grow. Brilliant. I love that. The fact that you're, you're planning, you know, at the start you were winging it and now your planning is such that you even plan when to bring new people on based on where you're going to be, not where you are. I really love that. So, yeah, what's the what's the growth been like, for want of a better word, in your business? You know, five years ago, one man band. What you know, how long was it before you took on that first person? And then how long was it before you got to say five and then ten? And where you are today? Sure. So that the first person I hired, I think I was about uh, ten or eleven months in. Um, hired somebody that I, I already knew. Actually, I'd worked with previously, um, and we worked together for probably eighteen months, two years. Um, however, that that relationship didn't go the way I, I hoped it would, um, and there were some challenges. And uh, sort of ultimately, it taught me a great lesson about making sure that your contracts are watertight and ideally not to hire people that you have pre-existing relationships with. Um, and, uh, you know, at the time it was a sting of a lesson. It was not something I was enjoying at all, but now sort of five years down the line or at least three years since, since that, um, it's, it's taught me some really, really great lessons. And I, I think if you are, if you are looking at hiring, make sure that your contracts are solid. Make sure that you're protected. Make sure that you know you you have something in place that that gives you confidence that you're going to be fine, and also gives the staff member confidence that they're going to be fine. Um, back when I was hiring in in 20, 2017, 2018, we hadn't yet got to that point where a new starter needed a contract. You know, you could have a verbal contract. So that's what I did. That's all I knew at the time. Uh, and that that ultimately, you know, I, I paid the price for that. Um, but I would certainly say that the growth after that was a lot smoother. Um, I'd learned that lesson. I was able to get great contracts in place. I was able to identify what it was that I was looking for in a new starter uh, that I, that I, I didn't know previously, you know, that the previous role was really, I, I needed someone to fill a seat. What else did I know? Um, whereas now, of course, we've, we've got, you know, a, a very structured criteria and what we're looking for in new starters. Um, so once, once that had kind of, had kind of, uh, 
happened, we were able to bring in uh, two people to fill the one role. One of those roles grew into full time. The other one's grown a little bit uh, to, to where that account executive wants to be. And then COVID happened. Um, now, COVID was an interesting one in the digital marketing space. A lot of businesses out there were you know, really, really terribly affected by COVID. They were forced to close their doors. They were forced to you know, take out huge loans in order to be able to keep going. Um, for the digital marketing space, it was the other end of the scale. A lot of businesses went, right, we can't operate the way that we were operating before. So therefore, we need to head online. We need to seek out digital marketing agencies that are in a price point that we can afford right now. And that's where we're going to put all, put all our eggs. So pre-COVID, we had three, four staff. After COVID, we're now up to you know, 16, 17. I'm not saying that's entirely down to the situation that the world was in, but it certainly helped us out. And it's 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 a difficult thing to talk about because so many businesses were affected so badly by it. But within this space uh, and through talking to a lot of other uh, digital marketing professionals, we all sort of reap the benefits of, of businesses having to close on the high street and put their attentions in, into uh, into digital. Um I mean, on on the subject of of growth, uh, I'm just going to quickly spin back to uh, sort of touch on networking again because when I first started networking, I would come across another marketing agency, and my initial reaction to that would be that's competition. Now, I changed my mindset about six months in, having had conversations with these agencies, and realised that most marketing agencies out there absolutely hate social media. They don't want to do it. They don't have the time to do it. It's something that they they staple onto the end of another contract and then think, great, now we've got to find somebody who's going to do this. So as soon as I realized that, I thought, wow, all of these marketing agencies that I'm meeting are potential customers for us. And not only are they potential customers, but they they have the potential to bring us in, you know, tens and tens and tens and hundreds of clients even. Um, so after, after then having conversations with these clients and starting to build up the white label part of the business, that's when we started to see some serious growth because we'd make a comp- we'd, we'd make a relationship with one person. That wouldn't be one client, that would be 10. We'd make a similar relationship with someone over here. That wouldn't be one client, that would be 15. So then we started to see some, some really great growth. Oh, brilliant. And, you know, it's like yin and yang. The whole world plays on this balance. So yes, while with the pandemic, we'd got businesses closing, that also brought a new opportunity for them to grow something online that meant they could sell 24 hours a day across the globe. So, you know. Absolutely, yeah. I, I just love the fact that, you know, they always say when one door closes, a window opens. So there you go. Certainly. And, and I mean, I would say that as soon as that Zoom window opened for, for anyone within the digital marketing space, it opened up the entire world as a potential client base. I mean, after after this podcast, I've got a meeting um, with a new client based in, in North Carolina. We've got clients all across Europe simply because of the shift in the ability to have conversations with people. Yeah, I, I love it. It's you know, there, there was some, there was little bits around, you know, it's it's all about the universe is going through its usual cleansing. You know, there was all these theories about 1920s flu and 1820s, whatever. And I, I think to some degree, there was a bit of a reset button went on both in the minds of people and in what was going on in the world. And I love that people like you have actually come out of the other side with a totally revised version of their business. I think it's fab. Absolutely. And a lot of other people did the same thing. A lot of other people who were put on furlough, suddenly their creative juices started flowing and you had new businesses popping up left, right and center, a lot of which are now are now our clients. So there were, there were multiple areas of benefit to be gained from that situation. 
There was, I was reading somewhere in 2021, apparently it was um, the, the biggest number of new businesses in the UK opening up from like for quite a long time. But anyway, there you go. Um, so for somebody who's starting up a business, Sam, and they're maybe in a position where either they've got this marketing is a cost rather than investment mentality, or maybe they simply don't have the funds. What can they do with social media um, themselves until they're at a point where they can actually go off and pay a marketing company to go do it for them? Definitely a really good question. And I think the first thing to consider with social media as an avenue for marketing is to look at the other options. So if you look at print advertising, it's very, very difficult for print advertising to be able to give you any statistics. You know that it may go out to 30,000 people. You know that maybe a quarter of those people will open the magazine. You know that maybe a tenth of those people will actually happen across what it is that you have to say. So that one immediately kind of goes out of the window. You look at radio, radio is great. Um, it's expensive. And of course, then you're also constrained by the amount of people who can actually listen to this radio station. And are they going to be paying attention? Are they going to be in the car? Are they going to be at work? Is your message going to get across to them? We then look at digital and you've a got a got a platform which is completely free if if you if if you use it you know as as a free user you've got all the analytics delivered to you so you know exactly how many people it's reaching you know when these people are looking at it you know what content is 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 the most engaging um so it's kind of the ideal solution so i think the the best way to look at social media is to is to compare what other marketing options you have first and then then you kind of come to the conclusion that yes social media is the place that we need to be because it gives us everything that we want um consistency is the place to start a lot of business owners will you know they're they're busy running their businesses they'll pop onto onto facebook at some point in the evening and they'll put up a picture of something and hope for the best and then three weeks later they'll have a little bit more time on their hands and they'll do something else it makes sense to structure it it makes sense to be present all of the time um because you know people need multiple touch points in order to remember your business so if you're posting you know once on a friday evening and then you're not touching social media for 10 15 days everyone's going to have forgotten about you by that point you need to be you need to be present in front of people as much as physically possible and it's always important to remember that the chances are that what you're offering is not new every story out there has already been told it's just about telling it in a different way you know you, you may be a great bookkeeper you may be a fantastic baker but i can guarantee you there's a hundred thousand others out there that are just as good as you so it's about making sure that you're putting what you're doing in front of people all of the time so that they remember you and that's really what's separating you from your competition um so absolutely consistency is the place to start and pay attention to your analytics if you can see that there are people who are more reactive to your content at eight o'clock in the morning that you schedule that content for eight o'clock in the morning because you know that's when most of your customers are going to pay attention to it um i would say that there is a lot to be gained from reading there are a lot of uh, blogs there are a lot of forums there's a lot of free free learning out there about social media but most of it you can gain from a little bit of trial and error over the space of a couple of weeks um, and also using your intelligence. You know that when you're scrolling through Facebook, the chances are if you see something bright, shiny and moving, you're probably going to stop. So therefore, if you're going to put something out there that you want people to pay attention to, make sure that it's bright, shiny and moving because that that's going to that's going to stop people from scrolling. Um, and then also look at what your competitors are doing. Look at look at the companies who you want to be. Find out what they're doing and see if you can replicate something like that in your own branding. Because ultimately what they're doing, again, it's not going to be new. It's not going to be super innovative and it's not going to be impossible for you to create. 
Love it. And and the other thing, if you can't find something bright, shiny and moving, get a picture of a cat. <laughs> I don't know why. Absolutely. Everybody Absolutely. says somebody yeah. sees Every- a cat or a dog and they stop. <laughs> Everybody loves the cat and the dog. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and share, share your customers' experiences. P- people will be happy to give you testimonials if you ask for them. And when you ask for them, get them out there. Let people know what your customers are saying about you because what your customers have to say about you is so much more valuable than what you have to say about yourself. Yeah, it's always a better position to come in. Um, Sam, be, there's been some brilliant tips there. I love it. And um, as we come to the end of learning more about you and your business, um what's been what's been the biggest challenge and in the reverse what's been the most enjoyable thing about moving from one person when you started to now you've got 17 employees so what's your biggest challenge what's the thing that's been most enjoyable about that so the biggest challenge has always been and still remains um the ability to switch off and stop working um, we're very lucky this month because we've, uh, following on from, from COVID, we're going back to uh, a hybrid office working environment again. So we've secured a great office in the town centre nearby. So I will once again be able to separate work life and home life. But for me, I will, and I've always been even pre having this agency, I will fill all of my time with work. If there is time available, I will fill it with something to do with work, whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, and certainly when you run your own company, you're either, you have even more passion for it. You have even more drive. So, I mean, I, I will quite happily, you know, get up at 6.30 in the morning, work in the office until 7, finish it, finish at 7, work on my phone until I go to bed and do it the next day. And, and that's, that's been the biggest challenge because other people around you will always struggle to identify with that. Unless they run their own business, they will struggle to realize, I mean, it's 9.30 at night. Why are you working? You shouldn't be working. Um, but as a business owner, you, you, you just have this fire in you to keep working all the time. And the challenge, it's, the challenge still remains, is drawing that line between work and life. Brilliant. And what's the most enjoyable thing? Um, the potential for freedom, I think, is probably the most enjoyable thing. Now, you nine times out of 10, you start up a new business because not, bec- not because you're looking to be a millionaire, but because you want choice. You want to choose whether you can go to work or whether you can go and do something else. Now, I have that choice. 10 out of 10 times, I choose to go to work, but I do have the opportunity you know, to, to have that freedom. I can say, I want next Tuesday off. I haven't got to ask anyone. I can just have next Tuesday off. Um, you know, I want to go on holiday. I don't need to ask anyone. I can just go on holiday. <laughs> um, and and that, that, that's something lovely that you can really, really hold on to. Now, the, the, other, the other great part of this is, as I mentioned at the start of this, I was privately educated when I was younger. A lot of the people that I was educated alongside have gone on to become doctors and lawyers and architects and great, wonderful, beautiful people in the world. I didn't follow that path. I went you know, into a job. I wanted to do things in my own way. Running a business has allowed me to remove that little chip from my shoulder that I have always had by comparing myself to those people that I was educated alongside. I can now sit in a room full of doctors, full of lawyers and have conversations that, you know, benefit all of us. And and I haven't needed to go and, and, you know, follow the same path that these, these others uh, followed in order to, to get myself into this position. And I think a lot of people in the world 
have a lot of respect for business owners. Um, it is tough. It's really tough. It's, and it's, and it's, it's relentless. It never stops. You, it's very difficult to switch off your brain. If something's working over here, something's broken over there. So, you, you know, you're always, you're always switched on and, and people in the world have a lot of respect for that. And I think if you, if you do have that slight chip on your shoulder in comparing yourself to other people in the world, you can start to relieve that by running your own business. Love it. Brilliant. That's been eye-opening with loads of golden nuggets, Sam. So I've got some quick fire questions for you. And I know that you're into cars. I am. So <laughs> classic or modern and why? Classic every single day of the week. Um, I have a very strange taste in cars. I like vehicles from the kind of mid 80s to the early 90s that are completely bog standard, that the cars that your, your parents used to drive around in. I, despite having this company and all of my fantastic team around me drive a 1995 Toyota Corolla because I love it and because it's it's wonderful to step away from working surrounded by tech into something that's got its original tape deck in it it's great um yeah absolutely classic cars every time love it and now one to do with social media Facebook or LinkedIn Oh my, that is a question and a half. I would say probably Facebook, mainly because I grew up with Facebook. I understand Facebook implicitly inside and out. Um, and I think everyone's personalities rise to the top on Facebook. LinkedIn, you're slightly, you're, you're kept on a certain level by professionalism. Facebook is a place where, you know, the great and the good all come and, and everything's out there for everyone to see. And I quite enjoy that. Yeah, the good, bad and the ugly on Facebook. Love absolutely, it. Absolutely. Um, so a bit more philosophical. What's been your most extravagant purchase in your life other than the home that you live in? Oh, that's a good question as well. Um, I I went through an interesting time period where I would get very overexcited on, on vehicle auction sites and managed to purchase about four cars in the space of a week. Um, that was probably the t that was probably one of the times uh, various cars from various 80s periods that I just collected over the course of a week. Um, so, yeah, probably that. <laughs> cars. And world's a bit of a strange place at the minute, as we all know. Um, but if you could do one thing to change the world, what would it be? That is the world's biggest question, isn't it? I think if I could do anything, I would... I would do my best to remove as many men from power as physically possible. <laughs> um, I, I love it. I, I think. I think. I think men in positions of power is a very dangerous cocktail. Um, not. Not to be. You know. Not to completely generalize, but we have the we have the genetic markers for acting slightly irrationally using aggression. Um, having issues around, uh, you know, feeling small or feeling inferior, and all of those things can be of benefit when running, you know, when running a country, you know, stepping away from a certain situation and dealing with something in a different way. So yeah, I would, I would put females in charge across the entire globe. Do you know the the, the listeners? You've probably got men screaming at the speakers right now and women cheering. <laughs> How how to be controversial and divide a nation. Brilliant. Let's hope the cheers are slightly louder, shall we? <laughs> and the question I ask all my guests, because um, it's the name of our podcast, but sweat, grit or hustle, which one resonates with you and why? 
hustle. Absolutely hustle. Um, when you're in a situation whereby you think things are hopeless and there's no business, trust me, there's business there somewhere. You've just got to hustle to get it. Love it. Sam, I'd love for all our listeners to learn a bit more about you. So give us your elevator pitch. Tell us how they can get in touch with you and what it is you do. <laughs> no worries at all. So, so social media, we are a social media management and development agency, and we specialize in liberating businesses through cost-effective and flexible digital marketing innovation. Um, you can get in touch with us um, via our website, which is www.sosocialmediauk.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook at uh, so Social Media UK, um, or you can drop me a line because I love talking to people on the phone uh, and i'll quite happily give you guys my uh, my business mobile on uh, 07969 136218 reach out and have a chat with us um we're, we're we're an interesting agency to deal with because of our ability to white label and it is very very difficult for other agencies in the uk to compete with uh, compete with us on on a price versus service basis uh, so i'm sure we can have some interesting conversations Brilliant. Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to that radio voice of yours and hearing all about your journey. Um, For those of you out there, even his elevator pitch was a brilliant golden nugget for you. So go off there. Don't be afraid of actually seeing marketing and digital marketing as an investment in your business, not a cost. And go find some networking that is structured and will actually help you grow your business, not just have a coffee. I will see you guys next week. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com. 